Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, it's our first introduction into the 2024 NHL Draft. Yeah, Scott Wheeler tells us all about the plethora of defensemen that could be available for the Ottawa Senators and about all the talent that is in this year's draft class. Plus, Steve Steos had been an OHL GM for years. Scott tells us what kind of strategy he implemented at that level and if it could help us dictate of who he could be interested in in this upcoming draft. That's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 977 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountain, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first ticket purchase. A reminder that you can follow the show on social media as well. We're at Send Central on Twitter, Locked On Senators on Instagram. The show is free and available on all podcast platforms, including on YouTube where a like, comment, and subscription go a long way to helping the show grow. Today is Thursday, February 8th, and Pilsy, the Ottawa Senators are finally back on the ice at practice today at 4 o'clock. Here we go. Let's keep her rolling, and let's keep her rolling, as Claude Giroux would say, because they're coming off two overtime victories, and they got a battle up against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. So let's get back to practice. Hope everyone had a nice break, but... It's time to get going again for the Ottawa Senators. What's the one storyline you're most looking forward to seeing play out throughout the second half of the season? The continuation of success for the Ottawa Senators when Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris, and Shane Pinto are all in the lineup. I mean, my God, we've had to wait so long to have stretches with all three of those centermen in the lineup. And now that it's happening, you're starting to see the way this team shakes up down the middle. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. 28 and two, I believe, is the record right now when all three of those guys are in the lineup. So great call there, Pilsy. But hey, look, this is the time of year where we start dipping our toe in. Look, all the midseason draft rankings are out after the World Juniors. Do you think it's too early or is this a good time for, for a little draft talk? No, it's, I mean, for a draft that could be as crucial as this one for the Sens and the real wrinkle in this is brand new regime, new owner, new general manager, new scouting uh, team. There's so much intrigue about this draft that I'm diving into this one early, Ross. Yeah, this is exciting. And we're going to hear from Scott Wheeler in just a couple minutes. But to me, it's the amount of defensemen in this draft that like right shot defensemen as well, which are always in high demand, but especially for the Ottawa Senators prospect system. On Monday, we did our prospect pool and only Max Gannett, who's 22 years old and was a seventh round pick in 2019, is the only defenseman right hand shot that we even considered for the top 10. They have so many left-hand shot defensemen, and we're seeing that play out at the NHL level where they have a yep. lot of lefties, and the balance is crucial. So 
Anything else you want to get to before Scott Wheeler? Because it's a very detailed conversation. We're looking forward to presenting to you guys. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can have Scott Wheeler talk about any draft, you're going to get hit with a lot of info. So let's let the expert lay out all the information here, Ross. That's coming up next. You're listening to Locked On Senators, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by new sponsor, new sponsor alert. Woo! (laughs) Woo, here we go. And that is Robinhood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, so you got lots of time, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right. No cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their RIA RIA with a 3% match. This offer is good until April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info, claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including losses. Limitation applies to RRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to certain certain terms and conditions Robinhood IRA available to US customers in good standing Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer check it out today guys Robinhood today's episode is also brought to you by Indeed Indeed it is and when you're looking at drafting your fantasy team do you ever wish you could do the same with your business team if you're building a roster to win you need Indeed Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So forget spending hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills. You can do it all with Indeed. And you don't have to wait either. Indeed's U.S. data shows that over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes match the Indeed job description the moment they sponsor a job. And with Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get that short list available to you and you can invite them right away to apply. Indeed does all the hard work for you. So sponsor a job and boom, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes with Indeed fit your job description immediately after you post. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide that are using Indeed right now to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. And that's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applicants that match your must-have job requirements. So right now, visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now let's get to our conversation. Here is Scott Wheeler. All right, we now welcome on a friend of the show who is now on the podium of all-time guest appearance. For the ninth time, we welcome from The Athletic, the scouting expert, Scott Wheeler. Welcome back, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. We're going to hit double digits soon. That's a big number. 
It's a huge number. Sounds like a farm to fork delivery if I've ever heard of one. But hey, <laughs> Scott, we appreciate your insight. And honestly, this feels a little early to be going into the 2024 NHL draft. But with Here the way things have gone for the yeah. Ottawa Senators this year. And hey, look, it's the last in-person draft. The way we've come to love the draft. We're making the trip down to Vegas. You're going to be there. It's the end of what hopes to be <laughs> us caring so much about the NHL draft. But Scott, what's interesting for us Sens fans here is new regime. We can't pinpoint, oh, that's an Ottawa Senators player anymore because we're not quite sure. But to give me the overall view of the 2024 draft. Is it a strong draft? Where's where's the strengths? Where's the weaknesses? I will say too, before getting into that, they were previously maybe the easiest or among the easiest teams in the league to identify, right? We knew they liked the athletic, hardworking character types like that. That was their that was their mold. They wanted everybody to work and get after it. Um, so it, it, maybe there's a shift now. Maybe you'll see some new some new player types sort of enter enter the system, and I think it would be good for them. Um, as far as as far as this draft goes, I mean Macklin Celebrini. Nobody needs me to introduce Macklin Celebrini at this point. He's a legit number one overall pick. He's not Connor Bedard or Connor McDavid, but he's right right there in that next echelon. He's not your uh, I Slavkovsky. No, he's certainly not your I Slavkovsky. Uh, <laughs> no, he's in a, di- we're talking about a very different tier. Um, but no, he's, uh, he, he's a legit one. And then after that, the, the story of this draft is going to be the defenseman. And it's been a long time since we've talked about a draft that way, especially at the very top, you really have to go back to 2012. 2012 was kind of the year of the defenseman. There were six or seven D taken in the first 13, 14 picks uh, that you look back on that draft, really the, the forwards that did get taken, Alex Galchenyuk, Nail Yakupov, it was an ugly year for forwards. You look back, it's Campus Lindholm, Matt Dumba, Morgan Riley. Those were the names that that emerged from that group. I think we'll be having, uh, obviously, I think Celebrini is going to be a heck of a lot more than Nail Yakupov did. But after Celebrini, we're going to be having a conversation about this draft in retrospect as it, as a Maybe not an all-time great draft on the blue line, but a, a very high-end draft on D. There are six defensemen in my top 12. I, I, I have a true top 12 in this group. Six of them are defensemen, and I think four or five of those guys have a chance to be first-pairing types. So uh, it's uh, in terms of premium position on the blue line, there, there's some, some real quality there. Yeah, there's some defensemen that I think Sense fans will be very interested in. But before we get too specific, I do want to kind of touch on what what you mentioned there. Like everybody that followed the Sense drafting patterns, you knew what type of players they were going for. But that was under Pierre Dorian, Trent Mann, and the old regime. Now with the new era coming in here, is there a different um, avenue or a new classic Sens type pick you feel like they should start targeting to kind of counter all the big left shot defensemen or the, the hardworking kind of high character guys. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a different direction you'd like to see this scouting staff go moving forward? Well, I'd like to see them infuse some skill uh, into that group. And I'm not talking about going out and getting an Eric Brandstrom type that never really hits and never really shows that skill at the NHL level that he'd shown it at lower levels. I'm talking about betting and swinging on some real high upside guys. Like if, if you're talking about this draft, there are players like Zane Parekh that the other group never would have touched. 
Uh, and I, th I think that's where things get interesting. If um, not to go too far into the weeds here, but if, if you don't feel that Jake Sanderson or Thomas Shabbat are true PP one types, then suddenly a player like Perek becomes interesting because then you can move a Thomas Shabbat or a Jake Sanderson onto the second power play. And Perek's a kid that I believe has a chance to put up 60, 70 points a year in the NHL. And he's an incredibly dynamic uh, offensive defenseman, one of the most talented players I've watched at the junior level in quite some time. And that's including Ottawa's own Brant Clark, who uh, was a very, very talented, uh, creative, crafty offensive defenseman at the junior level in the OHL. And I think we're talking about even a cut above that with Zane Perek. So uh, there are guys like that that, that you just – they, I would have in a mock draft a year ago, I would have completely ruled out for them. Maybe yeah. that's not the case now. Maybe they do still view team building in a similar way. And we start to see so, sort of some of those trends develop, but there are play, uh, players uh, a year ago. They would have, I know that they would have loved Sam Dickinson, for example, of the London Knights, the sort of uh, big mobile left shot defenseman, right? They they've been down that road. Um, Dickinson's a, a two-way sort of there's there's some parallels even to to Jake Sanderson there with Sam Dickinson and uh, and you can never have too many of those guys he's a, he's an excellent I, I'm a huge Sam Dickinson fan but suddenly he's not the only kind of player uh, in terms of talking about those defensemen that I think this this group would be interested in and you've been around the OHL circuit for a long time. Are there any trends that you noticed of the Bulldogs when Steve Steos was in charge that maybe you think from a team building aspect he could bring to the NHL? Well, certainly there were more of those types that they wouldn't, that the Sens wouldn't have drafted. Uh, Steve Steos brought Arthur Kaliev along and didn't give up on Arthur Kaliev when Arthur yeah. Kaliev was a very quirky prospect. He was one dimensional. He fleed the zone and cheated for offense. He did a lot of the things that the old regime hated in terms of the, their forward prospects, right? He was slow. He was unathletic. He cheated up ice for offense. Yeah. His habits weren't great, but he filled the net with the puck and scored 50 goals a season in the OHL and has now become an NHL or we'll see whether he actually sticks around. It sounds like he might get traded out of LA for a bit of a change of scenery. Maybe to Ottawa. To Ottawa. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe to Ottawa. Um, certainly Steos would be familiar, right? So that there were guys like that that came through. Um, it, even stay, I mean, uh, obviously there's ties with his son, but even Steos's kid was a pretty <laughs> unique type in terms of five foot ten, not a great athlete, not a great, not sort of a dynamic offensive defenseman, but became a dynamic offensive defenseman over the course of his career and was ultimately signed to an entry-level contract after going undrafted. There were, there were success stories, development success stories. Arbor like Jack, I hate to say it, but Ar Arbor Jack, I absolutely Arbor Jack. I was a player that they hit on that they developed into a stud, right? So, uh, I mean, certainly there were the Kitchener Rangers played a part in Arbor Jack development as well, but, uh, they, they, they believed in him. They went out and sought him. So there was some, some unique player types there. I don't think he had a, a sort of mold, if you will. Um, even in some of the guy, I mean, they brought in Mason McTavish and, and, and that, but even a guy like just Logan, do, Mor just do that again. Yeah. Just go get even a guy like Logan Morrison, uh, who, who obviously also played for the Ottawa 67s. Logan Morrison was written off by NHL clubs. He was slow. He didn't have enough pace. They brought him into Hamilton and believed that he could be a star for them, and they won an OHL championship. So I, I think he's actually a very open-minded, uh, just in getting to know him over the years and seeing him around rinks and talking to him and uh, that kind of thing when he was full-time with Hamilton. I, I think he's a very open-minded guy. Uh, I don't think he'll maybe have the set boundaries that the previous regime had. 
it almost feels like a complete parallel because open mind, but like closed poker face. Like yep. you, you have no idea what he's thinking. Whereas Doria, I mean, the smile would tell you in a press conference exactly what he was thinking. Yeah. Pilsy, defenseman. I know you had a question on what uh, what could be some options for Ottawa. Yeah, so so I think at least myself and most Sens fans would probably agree the targeted position for this draft should be a right shot defenseman. They have an abundance of uh, left shot D in the NHL and they need someone that they can draft and develop that can be a solid player on the right side. Now you already mentioned uh, your top or no, sorry, your second ranked uh, right hand shot defenseman in Zane Perrick there. So I want to go to someone that interests me and maybe if the senators do what they usually do and make a meaningless push at the end of the year and ruin their draft position maybe this guy would be more in their target and that's carter yakemchuk i hope i'm saying that right um he's someone that through your write-up uh, in your article at the athletic really had my attention what can you tell us about him yeah yakemchuk's an interesting one we actually i was just before i hopped on with you guys here i was on the uh, the athletic hockey show which is our podcast at at the athletic and we did our first of what will be many mock drafts We're a okay. little bit obsessed with it on the podcast and in the mock draft a lot of the big d went early as always happens at the draft and i took carter yakimchuk for for the sense the, okay. the right shot obviously is a nice huge, call pilsy there we go the, the right shot is obviously a huge part of that he's got size six foot two six foot three kind of kid uh, Big time, big time point shot and talent in terms of the offensive side of the game. He might score 30 goals in the WHL this year, which for a defenseman is unheard of at that level. Guys like Matt Dumba, some of the top D that have come through and scored 15, 20 goals in that league, never even sniffed 30, right? So uh, Josh Morrissey, you go down the list, right? So um, it's been, uh, from a goal scoring perspective, pretty unique player, likes to jump off the line, aggressive at both ends. He's not a great skater, uh, and and as a result, when he plays really aggressive defensively and tries to bump guys or close gaps or finish a check, he can make mistakes. Like there, there is an element of mistake mistake making that comes with with Yakumchuk's game defensively. But he's a competitive kid. He plays hard. He's physical. He'll battle on box outs and in the corners. It's not that area of his game defensively that's the issue. It's more the decision making and the reads offensively. For a six foot three kid, really, really talented. Like he can handle the puck. He beats guys one on one. He scored some highlight reel goals in the WHL. And then the shot and the ability to put the puck in the back of the net is obviously pretty unique as well. So, really interesting defenseman of that group of six that I talked about. He's sixth on my list. So, he's kind of the, the back half of that list, but still a top 10 consideration guy for me. Uh, I just, I just am partial to, to those other guys. And I don't know whether they're going to be in, in a position to draft the third of those three righties that are in that group of six, or if we even want to talk about Archem Levshunov, but uh, that in particular would be a dream outcome for the Sens, I think. That's yeah. my next question, but just to follow up on this one, a September 29th birthday, just more of a philosophical thing. How do you uh, deal with the older players versus the younger in the same draft class? Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's he's got more WHL experience than most players his age. You, there's a little bit of expectation that comes with that. You should be a better player. You should be further along physically. You should have more muscle mass built up. Those are all things that you'd expect out of a player who's on the older side of a draft class. It's not a default negative or a positive for me. Like, it, it's sort of case by case. Sometimes you get those older kids, and they're still skinny and underdeveloped, and that's just because they're late bloomers, right? I think in Carter's... Uh, 
in Carter's case, he, he kind of is where you'd expect a player. Like he was a, he was a, a WHL second all-star last year uh, in his, in his pre pre-draft season, right? Like he, uh, he's, he was a very good player last year, which is kind of what you'd expect if, if he was on the younger side of last year's draft, you'd hope that he was still a good player. Right. So it's not just coming late for him. So uh, a layered conversation in terms of, I, I try to treat it case by case with the age piece, uh, but it's definitely something you're cognizant of. And he's got less runway now than than some of the younger guys. We saw the reverse happen with Jake Sanderson, right? Jake Sanderson had a great second half in his draft year. And then you started to wonder, okay, he's a really young kid, summer birthday. Maybe he's just hitting his stride here. And that's exactly what turned out to be the case. That added runway was a big deal for Jake Sanderson. And you're not necessarily going to have that added runway with a player like Yakim Chuck, but uh, Yakim Chuck's also further along physically, like he's a big, strong kid and all that. So he's checked some boxes along the way. Uh, and he's kind of exactly where you'd hope he'd be given his age. Love that. Now, uh, also an early birthday in terms of one of the older players in the draft, October 28th is Artyom Levshunov. You have him second overall and he's a Belarusian kid, but is playing at Michigan state. So the factor of him staying in the KHL, not a problem, a team you'd think could get him into their system a lot sooner than that. Uh, six foot two, 210 pounds. What's the scouting report on him and why is he your top defenseman in the draft? He is a unique kid and prospect. I'm not sure I've ever met a kid like him. I'm not sure I've ever scouted a D prospect like him. You run into him around the rink and he's, a, he seems like a very boyish kid. I think some of that is the language barrier and just the new country. He, they're just different people. Uh, so, he, but he seems like a little kid when you see him and then you see him physically and he is outside of Aaron Ekblad, the most physically imposing defenseman I've ever seen at this age uh, wow. to the point to the point where teams have asked his agent to verify his age kind of thing because he's <laughs> he's jacked like I'm talking shoulders biceps his his chest he, when he's wearing a, an athletic shirt uh, not to get too carried away here but when he's wearing an athletic shirt like he looks like a bodybuilder kind of thing um, so that is very unique. The physical ability is incredible. He's a high-end North-South skater. Uh, actually, his stride actually looks a little weird, but he's just like a gazelle out there. Like he just gets up and down the ice so quickly. He plays with an immaturity as well. Like he just wants to be everywhere, making plays. He's constantly joining the rush. He probably joins the rush. Uh, as sort of a fourth forward with his skating a little bit too much. Uh, but he then he tracks back with his skating. Just a very unique player. I think he's the full package. I think he's got a chance to be a fascinating, fascinating player in the NHL with how big and strong he is, with how he skates. Uh, he's actually had to tone it down in practices uh, at Michigan State because <laughs> his teammates try to hit him and he just dummies them kind of thing. Uh, like he's just a bit of a man child and his game reflects that he's got tons of skill, uh, the decision-making and the reads. I'm not sure he's ever going to be the smartest player out there, uh, but got all of the makings of a top pairing defenseman in terms of tools that you look for. So really, really excited about what he become because I think the, the sky's the limit for him in terms of potential. Hope you're enjoying our conversation with Scott. We'll get right back to it. But first, a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Oh, yeah. It's Mary J's Dispensary in Ottawa. It started off with three best friends making a life-changing decision. And through hard work and dedication, they have achieved that. They got four stores in the Ottawa area. Ottawa locations are Riverside South, 
Orleans, Greeley, and Russell. Mary J's got to four stores because they offer the best and newest products in the market, and they're adding new stuff to their menu every single week to keep it fresh. So whether you're a rookie looking to dip your toes in and need some advice, or you're a grizzled vet that already knows what you want and you want to be in and out of there quickly, Mary J's can help you out. They got competitive pricing. In fact, they will price match any store in Ottawa. That means you are guaranteed to get the best price around when you shop at any of Mary J's four locations. But you can have great stuff and great prices, but you need good service. That's why Mary J's has the best and friendliest bud tenders who are always ready to assist you. In fact, one of the owners, Dashy, diehard Sens fan, Absolute Beauty, is usually at one of those four locations. So go to one of the stores, say what up to Dashy, and pick his brain about the Sens and all the newest, greatest products they have to offer at Mary J's Dispensary. Check it out today, guys. Mary J's Dispensary. Today's episode is also brought to you by Game Time. It's the only sports ticketing app that you need and the only one that allows you not to have any worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer last-minute deals, all-in pricing, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. So Game Time really does take the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. All-in pricing shows you your total right up front. So you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. Game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price too. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Pilsy and I are doing a couple boots on the ground on the road. Where are we going? Game time to get our tickets. So you can do that too. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on L O C K E D O N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Now, obviously we're focused on, on defensemen here, especially in this draft class. It really, yeah, especially right shot. It really seems like there's a lot of kind of, uh, high potential defensemen available but let's say let's let's get off that um position and just open can, it up more can i ask one more beforehand just a quick one sure, because adam Yurtek had, had a long-term injury at the world yeah. juniors how much of an impact the scouts see that as when you lose out on that much of your draft year it's a factor and i think it's a particularly a factor just because his draft year i think was going good but not great uh he played at the pro level in czechia but he wasn't really taking charge of shifts and taking charge of games in the same way his brother did at the same age. Uh, there were after a tremendous Helenka Gretzky cup where he was one of the best players in the tournament. I think he wasn't quite meeting those expectations early on in the year. Then his season is suddenly over on day one of the world juniors game, one of the world juniors for that team. Uh, and it just becomes a harder a harder sell in terms of, and I don't mean harder sell in terms of first rounder, but harder sell in terms of top 15. Right. So um, yeah, it, teams are going to have to have to weigh that and the lost time it, it's ironically. And sadly uh, his brother went through the exact same thing, right? His brother had a huge injury in his draft year, huge knee injury in his draft year. Uh, so they've, uh, the family's got some experience with this, um, but it's, it's it's he's he's going to be an interesting one, a bit of a wild card because coming in out of the out of the Holenka Gretzky Cup, there were people who thought he had top ten upside. I've never seen that in him, uh, 
but now it, he's not going to go in that range. And then the question becomes, does he go in the teens or the twenties kind of thing? And what, how much does the injury play into that conversation? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow along with that. Now, opening it up past defensemen, uh, who let's, I don't know, let's, let's just ballpark and say top 15 here. Yep. Who of a non-defenseman player would you think would be a good target for the Ottawa Senators? Now, I do notice that you've got four centermen in your top 15. So mm -hmm. based on uh, how the Sens prospect pool shakes out, they could use some re-upping down the middle. So so maybe I'll, I'll narrow it down from there. Which of the four centermen that you have in your top 15 do you think would make the most sense for the Ottawa Senators to target? Well, I mean, the, the two the two big ones, the two premium ones are the two WHL kids and very different styles of players. You've got Caden Lindstrom, a six foot three, six foot four center, who's a tremendous skater, physically imposing power forward type who drives the net, finishes his checks, has shown more skill this season and shown some real skill and goal scoring touch this season prior to a hand injury, which has recently briefly sidelined him. Sounds like he's going to be back before the end of the season. No issues, not a long-term thing. Uh, just had a minor sort of hand procedure done. Uh, but Lindstrom's the real package, right? Like he's, he's the player that every NHL scout will watch and, and they start to get excited about. He's the ideal of what you're looking for in a, in a hockey player. He's got size, skating, athleticism, physicality. He's competitive. He's got skill. He can score. There, there, there aren't really any holes there. Uh, and then you've got Berkeley Catton, who is a five foot 10 center, but outside of being five foot ten, is an extremely projectable player and actually a player for his size. Typically, if you're a five foot ten center, there's a lot of divide in conversations amongst NHL scouts about you. Not the case with Berkeley Catton. Tremendous skater, extremely dynamic on his edges, attacking on cuts, changing directions, slipping away from checks, can score, gets to the middle of the ice, which is always a question mark about five foot ten. Five foot nine players. Can you get to the middle third of the ice and create offense uh, off of more than just the perimeter? He's a natural at that, gaining inside territory, beating his marks to spots with his skating. Um, not going to be a super, super sort of two way stud in the NHL, but competitive kid, works, gets into battles, wants to win back pucks, gets up and under sticks. So, very different players just because of the size. Uh, a little bit more of a dynamic sort of threatening quality inside the offensive zone with a player like Catton who can just spin and make something happen on a dime kind of thing. Whereas the, with, with Lindstrom, it's more predictable, right? He's going to want to drive the net. He's going to want to look for his shot. He's going to want to sort of play the harder, the harder game. Uh, very different players. Both should be top 10 picks uh, and both have a chance to be legit sort of top six centers in the NHL. So uh, those are the two guys. Consta Hellenius is sort of that next player, uh, another five foot ten kid, but doesn't have the skating quality that Catton has. So with Hellenius, you've got a smaller center, and there are just a little bit more question marks. He's been very productive at the pro at the pro level in Finland. Extremely smart kid, uh, wins on his smarts and his skill level. Also has some competitiveness to him. A lot of people thought he wasn't going to stick as a center at this age in, in Liga, and he's actually been a top six center in Liga. He hasn't played the wing hardly at all for them, so that's a, a really nice feather in his cap that he will be able to stick at center long term. Uh, those are really the three the three big ones, and teams are going to have to measure those guys and the premium position of being a center against the two wingers in Iserman and Demidov, right? It's the age-old question of, do you take this the center who's maybe slightly lower end in terms of upside and talent, or do you take the winger? And almost every team will take the center. So I think ultimately 
We're going to have the same surprise that we have every year when Eisman and Demidov aren't taken quite as highly as people expect just because of the centers and the D in this draft. What a breakdown. My goodness, that was awesome, Scott. And this is all as the consolation prize for whoever doesn't get the number one center available, Macklin Celebrini, who you can lock and key as the first pick in this draft. You can go read all of Scott Wheeler's top 64 here, and there's more coming. In March, another top 64. And then after the world under 18s, a top 32, all leading up to the final top 100 released in June. As I've said before, it's worth the price of subscription at The Athletic, so make sure you're following along. And Scott's been a great friend of the show for over three years now, and his insight is very much appreciated. Scott, final question from me. Look, if the Ottawa Senators are drafting early in the first round, then they're going to have two picks pretty close together. If they keep Boston's towards the end of the first round Mm -hmm. and their own early in the second, maybe a couple names that could be on radars going forward as a late first, early second option for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, if if we're talking about centers, the the name I'm going to probably go to all year when I get asked about this on radio or podcasts or whatever is Michael Hage uh, of the Chicago Steel. Uh, Michael was a true premium top prospect in minor hockey in the GTHL would have been a first or second or third overall pick into the OHL had he gone the OHL route. Instead, he opted to go to the Chicago Steel at a time when the Chicago Steel were developing everybody. Uh, Now, the Chicago Steel under new ownership, after being a dynasty for the last decade, basically, the Chicago Steel are under new ownership. They've really struggled this year. They've been actually a brutal team to watch, if I'm being honest, this year. And the one constant on that team has been the, the play of Michael Hage, Six foot one, six foot, maybe six foot two if he's lucky, center, real skill, committed to the University of Michigan, a program that we all know obviously has a track record of developing one and done or two and done uh, prospects. Uh, Skill, works hard, sort of well-rounded center. I think because he missed last year with with shoulder surgery and didn't have his sort of rookie season in the USHL play out like he'd hoped it would, it set him back. I think he had a real opportunity. If he'd played in the USHL last year and didn't miss the season due to shoulder surgery, I think he'd probably be a top 15 pick in this in this year's draft. Now suddenly misses that time. He's playing on a steel team where he's got no talent around him. The production is point per game. It's good, not great. I think largely because of the lack of talent around him. And I think he's got a chance to go to Michigan next year and have a really breakout sort of freshman year and look like a surefire first round pick again. So if he's available in the mid to late twenties or or let alone in the thirties, sort of at the start of the second round, he's, he's a kid who I think uh, might be a a sort of a good middle six center. Like he might be a Shane Pinto type uh, sort of down the line eventually. Right. So um, that's, that's, that's a a good value play. I think I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on where he goes for sure. Yeah, the start of the second round is always very interesting. And uh, for the Senators, it will be interesting again this draft. Now, final question for me, Scott, just an easy one, a law ball to send you out of here. What's next for you on The Athletic? What can uh, readers expect to see in your upcoming articles? Obviously, the uh, continuation of the prospect pools. Yeah, the prospect pool rankings will will be it. Really, my sole focus for January, uh, the end of January here and then into February. And uh, after that, we're going to be right into U18 Worlds and Mem Cup and Frozen Four and all that's around the corner. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Got some features on some guys for for the upcoming draft that will begin to roll out that I've been working on all year that I'm excited about and that kind of a thing, the, the normal coverage and 
uh, then we'll be uh, we'll we we will all I'll be seeing you guys in Vegas, which I'm looking forward yep. to because Vegas is one of uh, I think there's only six or seven. I've been to 25 or 26 of the 32 uh, NHL markets at this point, and Vegas is one one of six or seven that I haven't touched. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting the Vegas experience. Well, beers on us, Scott. We truly appreciate your insight on our show. You make us all smarter for it, and we're looking forward to continuing to read your articles with The Athletic. So thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys. It'll be the last hurrah, too, the last centralized yeah. draft before they go to a new format. So it's going uh, to be a party. You guys will have a ton of fun. The NHL draft is a, a great experience. Kick-Taps to Wheeler for joining us. Make sure you're following him on social media at Scott C. Wheeler, a true friend of the show, and we can't thank him enough for his insight. We'll be knocking on his door as the prospect season begins ramping up. But Pilsy, we're recording this just before practice on Thursday, so if anything happens, make sure you're following us at Send Central on Twitter. Tomorrow, though, storylines, 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 heading into the unofficial second half. you have any final thoughts today? I'm so stoked to do a game day preview episode up against the Leafs tomorrow. It's been too long since the Ottawa Senators have played hockey and we got to keep this good momentum going. And look, it's been less physical of a series up against the Leafs, but the Sens have still found a way to get the, the victory more often than not. So let's hope they can continue that and keep carrying the momentum from what they had before the All-Star break. Game day preview tomorrow on Locked On Senators. And then Saturday, the postcast is back. So stay tuned for all that and more. Thank you for watching today's show. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.